matter what you say Today could be the day We've got plenty to learn and lots to see along the way You know what time it is No matter where you've been So let's do it again Listen up and let the sun shine And we've got soul training Time to practice what you preach Daniel, I thought I was going to tell you some good news. Some phone calls I'd received this week. I thought they were going to uh, reflect phone calls of prosperity. Yeah. But, you know, uh, I thought some companies were really after me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought I was looking for a big career move, you know, middle-aged. I thought, this is great. They're calling me for a change. And I found out that the companies that were calling me were the phone company, the water company, the light company, the gas company, because I needed to pay my bill. So it really wasn't a uh, prosperous week. It wasn't very very prosperous or, or fruitful because I had to, well, I thought it was I gave them all my wife's number so she could yeah. deal with all of them. But I thought I was on, uh, you know, kind of like the Jeffersons. I thought I was moving <laughs> on up. But, uh, you know, if you pay them on time, usually they won't call you. You know, I, you were. It's so fun to talk to them, you know? That's, uh, yeah, they. That personal I, touch. You know, I thought before you yelled at somebody, they had to, you had to know them, but they didn't know me very well. But they were still kind of had a little urgency in their voice. So I said, let me let you talk to my financial director. Uh, gave them my wife's cell number. She's also our social director. So, you know, talking about, uh, talking about phone calls and, and prosperity, you know, I had to um, take my uh, car to the shop the other day. Had a pretty expensive repair, but the um, I never the mechanic, had one that was it. I know it. Mechanic didn't have any sympathy for me. He said, "You know, somebody's been trying and trying to sell you an extended warranty on your car." And that is true. Uh, that didn't happen at all. <laughs> I didn't. Well, they are very uh, persistent. People trying to sell you that extended warranty. They are, somebody must be buying it. Yeah, well, it's working it. somewhere. Or somewhere. They'd stop. You know, but you know, when I think about prosperity. Uh, also think about dollar signs for some reason, mm-hmm. and but that's not always the case. Uh, but our, you know, we're blessed to have Big Show Joe with us again. He's running the, the soundboard and and uh, doing what he does, and thankful for that very very much. Um, when I, he helps us be prosperous, but we have a very, I think a kind of an out of the box type question or topic is. In our society, there are tons and tons of avenues that people try to use to attract people to uh, religious walks. And one of them is something just simply called the prosperity gospel. Uh, uh, that's kind of referred to maybe a little different terminology. But, uh, you know, that on the surface, that sounds pretty good. You know, prosperity gospel, that if you hear the good news, then you're going to be showered with you won't need an extended car warranty because you're going to have a new car all the time. And your basic needs are not only going to be met, but your basic wants will be met also. So when we hear the word prosperity, that immediately attracts us. But we know the downside of that is it's also dangerous. Uh, and that's what we're going to talk about. Not danger, but we're going to talk about being cautious and you, and uh, only thinking about facts, facts of Scripture, but also what God expects from us and and not the deception of the dollar signs or the deception of some of humanity trying to draw us away from Christ and into uh, 
an idea that they think is the way, which is really not. That's the prosperity gospel. Yeah, and it's so popular and widespread today. Uh, you can find countless uh, books or uh, religious uh, periodicals or television shows or all kinds of things. It, usually it's going to come from a, a source where the uh, author is, uh, has a big smiling picture of themselves right there on the cover. <laughs> and uh, because That's because they're prospering. They, they are prospering. That's right. They didn't get the phone calls you and I got. No, no, they, they did not. Not any time recently. Uh, but it's it's so appealing. Well, first of all, I guess we should explain what the idea of the prosperity gospel is, in case somebody is, is listening and hasn't heard that. It's essentially the idea that Jesus wants you to live a, an abundant life, and that's that's kind of the the key verse for the prosperity preachers of the prosperity gospel is uh, John ten ten, where Jesus said, "The thief comes to uh, only to steal and kill and destroy. I've come that they may have life and have it." Uh, to the full or have it uh, abundantly. And so they are going to preach this idea that you know, Jesus just wants you to be happy. He wants you to have abundance. And all you need to do, if, if you will live uh, faithfully, if you will ask him, you know, you have not because you ask not. If if you'll just ask him, well, he'll open up the the treasure house of, of heaven and give you everything you could want. And it's appealing you know, maybe phrased that way is uh, really popular in America, but the idea of coming to God from a standpoint of, I have problems I want you to fix, I I need you to, to serve me, people, may, maybe most people, maybe almost everybody initially comes to God selfishly. We initially come to God really looking to manipulate Him, you know, I have a problem. I'm tired of this problem. I can't deal with it myself. God, I want you to deal with it. Uh, what do you need from me so that you'll serve me? You know, when people don't come to God to serve Him. They come to God to get them to get God to serve them. Um, and that's something we have to we have to grow past. But it's easy to see why this appeals to people, and it 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 preys on the weak people that are going through some real hardships, some real financial difficulties. I see this very same mindset. Even with health issues. Too. Even with health issues. That's right. I see this very same mindset doing uh, mission work in in Africa. I'll explain it in a minute. Okay. No. All right. Um, anyway. <laughs> in, in Africa, in the same mindset you are. Yeah, in the same mindset, people coming to God thinking, I'm having desperate problems. Financial problems. I'm hungry, literally. Uh, let me come to God, and God will fix my problems. You see why it's so appealing. God's going to take care of you. He wants you to be happy. Uh, but it's so dangerous, because what happens when that person comes to God, whether it be somebody that's impoverished or somebody that is uh, you know, living life a little bit better, but they're expecting this material abundance, what happens when they come to God and that they still have problems? They wake up the next day, they're still hungry. That was the, the hand motion I was making a few minutes ago. Was, and I, I, I'm not going to name names, but I, I was just, there's one gentleman that I've watched, we've all watched before that if someone comes to him with a physical ailment, that he sometimes gives the appearance of smacking them, that he's going to smack them back and they're going to fall back. And they're miraculously, they're just healed, you know, so they, 
you know, that, that he just kind of like backhands them. Hey, to I, me, I, I thought you were mad at me. I didn't know what you no, were No, never. <laughs> no, nobody could be mad at the big show. Nobody could. I can't. I'd be uh, surprised. But I know. I hear you. But, but uh, you know, I, as I listen to Daniel talk, I think about even part of the prosperity gospel, this one individual who would, like you said, always super, not only had a huge smile on his face, but, I mean, you know, multi, you know, m- thousand dollar outfits suits all of those things that his entourage and and to me that we'll get in a little bit more of that just in a few minutes but you know why do you think um the prosperity gospel preachers or prosperity preachers why do you uh what do they expect in return well they're expecting prosperity yeah which in it comes in the form of uh, financial contributions to straight to them yeah right to them that's right you know you Give uh, give our ministry a uh, hundred dollars, and God's going to repay you with a thousand. Give us a thousand, God's going to give you ten thousand. They never tell you when it's going to show up, though, do they? No, like, you might get that in ten years, right? Or if you don't get it, it might be your lack of faith. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It, it all comes back onto you and and your faith or, or lack thereof. That's that's what they say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just I just wanted to put just a, a dollar amount for me as. We did a little, you know, Joe sent us some information to think about, and I'm not going to name names because I don't, obviously, I don't have the prosperity ability to defend myself of being sued. (laughs) But uh, there's one gentleman, uh, it says that at the height of his influence, he oversaw, this is a prosperity, quote unquote, prosperity gospel preacher. At the height of his influence, he oversaw a ministry that brought in $110 million in revenue, and one of his understudies was a student uh, who was also served as his pilot and chauffeur for this gentleman. The student later on became very notorious and wealthy as one of the prosperity preachers, and it was very uh, successful in the 1980s. And then there's been several offshoots from all of those. And then, you know, what happens when when you make money the wrong way? What always happens? You end up getting caught, and the wheels fall off, or and that's what eventually happened to this one husband and wife team. And so it just, it never works out. It never, when you, when people are putting their faith and it's just another example of, of people, of humanity putting their faith and trust into man instead of God, you see what happens. Well, we know that money in itself is not a problem, but the love of money is where the issue is. Yeah, that's right. That's a very often misquoted verse. Uh, you know, money is not the root of all evil, but... The, the love of it is. And you don't have to have a lot of it to love it. You know, some people think that's a, just a, a rich man's sin is loving money. There's plenty of poor people that love money way too much. And, you know, I, I was going to just throw just a, I'm switching gears. And I want you to go back to just hammer the, the prosperity gospel a little bit more. But, you know, there are several examples. Joe's right. There are several examples in Scripture of where wealth is used for the good and wealth doesn't, doesn't win, but wealth is a tool. Wealth, and I'm just give you one, just just a couple of examples. There's several, but Joseph of of Arimathea, Matthew chapter 27, 57 through 30, 57 through 61, he became a disciple of Jesus, but he was a rich man. He became a disciple, uh, and we think about Acts chapter four, verses 32 through 37. You think about Barnabas. What did he do? He was a landowner, and what did he do with his land? He sold it, and he gave the proceeds 
to the church at the feet of the apostles and says, you know, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but, but use this for, for what you need. You know, that's just one example or those two examples rather. And there are others where wealth does not win, but wealth is used as a tool, as a resource to bring others to Christ. The Bible talks about a lot. Abraham, Job, the old Testament's chock full of very, very David, Solomon, you know, chock full of very, very wealthy, wealthiest of the land type people. Yeah, you do see that um, a good bit uh, in the Old Testament. Uh, even those people are not uh, without their their problems and hardships, though. Like you know, Job, for example, he he's going to have uh, tremendous hardships. And you, you mentioned Solomon. Solomon is a a great kind of test case for us about one of the weaknesses of the idea of the prosperity uh, uh, doctrine and gospel. And you might, on, on on the surface, say, well, you know, Solomon is an example of the prosperity gospel in effect. He was pleasing to God, and God blessed him with tremendous, tremendous abundance, which is true. But what was the end of that? What, you know, Solomon had um, everything his heart could possibly desire. He could indulge in any and everything. God gave him literally everything he could give him on this earth, not withholding anything from him. And it wasn't ultimately enough. He still wound up going after other gods. He still fell into idolatry at one point in his life. That ought to be a warning to us today that we we shouldn't have the mindset that well, if only God would give me a little bit, if he would get me out of this problem, if, if I only had a little more of this or a little more of that, then I would be happy and be in a situation where I felt like I could serve God wholeheartedly. Um, I never got there. I mean, it took him a long time to realize. Yeah, that's right. Just wanted a little more. Yeah. Um, one way to... He, of, did, he did come around. He, he did come wrote around. Ecclesiastes. That's right. But if we can learn from his mistakes, uh, that would, would help us out. And, you know, in the end of Ecclesiastes, you know, he, he does come back around, like you said. Um, one way we can kind of test out uh, a doctrine, you know, like the prosperity doctrine or others, is to see how it um, how it stands up to the actual examples of individuals in the Bible. If you look, especially in the New Testament, think about abundance and suffering in the lives of New Testament Christians. You know, suffering is just intimately a part of the, the Christian life. You know, who who does God love more than Jesus? Nobody, right? And it, it's impossible to for somebody, for a greater love to exist than that between uh, the Father and the Son there. Yet, you know, he sends his Son, and what kind of lifestyle does he give his Son? Does he, does he give him, does he make him abundant king, multimillionaire? Had nowhere to rest his head. Yeah, he's uh spends part of his life as a homeless itinerant preacher. That's the he's he's suffering. And then of course the ultimate suffering on the cross, but even before the cross, he's not living a a life of ease and luxury. Um and so there's we can't assume prosperity is a sign of divine favor, nor can we assume that a lack of prosperity is a sign of divine condemnation. And you know what though, it just hit me. And I know I'm speaking a lot. I'm supposed to sit over here in my corner. Who says? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, 
Jesus could have had a very prosperous life. Sure he could. I mean, the abilities he had, mm-hmm. I mean, you got you got walking problems, come on down, it costs you 50 bucks, and we'll get that fit. He could have done that. He didn't. He chose to live a life like he did. And he did, because there, there, were, there were bigger things. You know, did Paul have divine favor? Well, sure he did. Did he have a life without much suffering? He suffered all kinds of things. I, I I don't want to have the type of, of life Paul had to had to endure. Uh, same thing for you know nearly everybody else person of faith you can think of in the New Testament. There's a significant amount of suffering, and so this whole idea of this prosperity doctrine, this, this name it and claim it. You ask God for prosperity, He's going to give it to you. That's completely foreign to the lives of the saints in the New Testament. Which means we're not seeing it in the life of Jesus. We're not seeing it in the life of Paul or Peter or anybody else in the New Testament. That's not going to be a good model, a reliable model for us to follow. And um, two things I wanted to kind of, I guess, dovetail is if you go to Hebrews chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, and well, before we read that, I think about something that I've, a phrase I've learned over the years, just the productive struggle just kind of aside from the spiritual application or just aside from what scripture teaches us. But you think about what struggle in your life has taught you. You think about what struggle, you know, has taught all of us to overcome, to press on, to persevere. Not everybody in life is going to get a trophy every time you participate. Well, you might for a while when you're, you know, younger. And if you do, it becomes meaningless. It does, you know, and, and, you know, I think about, you know, countless friends of mine who have gone to work on a Friday and the boss comes in and says, I need your desk clean or office cleaned out by the close of the day. And uh, you're going to start over on Monday somewhere else. And so we should be prepared for that productive struggle that we can't give up. We can't we can't give in. We have to give it all that we have. And so there is not that I get up tomorrow and hoping for a struggle, but past struggles and suffering has helped me push towards prosperity and prosperity is doesn't always come in the form of dollar signs. It comes in the form of, of other ways for us, but you're right. God, we you know what, what does God love more than Jesus? And even he suffered because verse eight of chapter five of Hebrews, though he was a son, yet he learned through, he learned obedience by all the things which he suffered and having been perfected, he became the author and of eternal salvation to all who obey him. So through obedience, and he was suffering, but he learned. He became the author um, of eternal salvation to all those who obey him. And I think about what have we learned through our struggles, our productive struggles. So I think it's uh, it's it is a slippery slope to think that to just even think that I can give someone a hundred dollars and you're just because I gave you a hundred dollars that you're gonna. I'm going to be receiving all these wonderful things. My problems are fixed because that's emotion and not reality. Right. And as we think about, I'm glad you you brought that out about uh, the things that even Jesus was able to learn and be crafted and developed by the things that that he suffered. If he's learning from suffering, then you know certainly you know, we too can learn from from suffering. And that's something that is it, it's a part of the the Christian walk. Paul, as he writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, says, Suffer hardship with me as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. He tells him again in 2 Timothy 2, verse four, uh, chapter 4, verse 5, But you be sober in all things, endure hardship. 
In Philippians 1.29, he says, uh, For you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. You know, suffering is almost a part of what we're, we're called to do. If, if we, we might ought to be a little concerned if we've never had to, to suffer. Uh, well, I don't want to suffer. No, nobody <laughs> wants to. It, it'd be weird to want to. There, there's, yeah. Uh, I, I don't think. And that doesn't mean if I'm going through suffering, I'm not going to pray that there might be a solution to that. That's right. Even even Paul prayed, and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be relieved right away. You know, Paul prayed multiple times, three times, that this his thorn in the flesh, whatever that was, would be removed from him, and God's answer to him was, you know, my grace is sufficient for thee. Sometimes, sometimes God's grace is, we just need to appreciate what uh, a gift that is, and that's what's going to get us through whatever our hardship or, or suffering is. Um but yeah, we're not seeking out the the suffering on purpose. I think that's would would be another extreme that would would be incorrect as also. It, it would be wrong to you're not going out there trying to become a martyr. You're not trying to chase after uh, the suffering. Even Jesus prayed, you know, let this cup pass. If there would be some other way, let's let's do it uh, a different way if possible. But this is how it has to be done. You know, that will be done. Um. You know, Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 9, verse 23, he was saying to them all, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. I think at the core of the problem with the prosperity gospel is rather than denying self, it puts self at the center of the the life of faith. The faith becomes all about self. And advancing my current uh, physical, material a situation, not appreciating that the abundant life that Jesus really has to offer is something so much beyond the material things of this world. It's almost an an anti-Christian point of view, where instead of we live this life to the best of our ability in hopes that we'll have the reward of heaven, mm-hmm. well, we're going to have the reward here. Right. <laughs> you know, that's that's completely different than what the whole Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. And it's the very same appeal that Satan makes to us. You know, follow me, your life's going to be easier. And you get to you get to have the the pleasures, the things you want. You follow me, don't follow Jesus. And now the folks um, preaching these sort of doctrines, a lot of times very charismatic, good-looking, salesman-type people that, you know, well, that guy looks like a trustworthy source. So what he's saying must be true, but in in fact we know... Really, the only person prospering is that that individual. With you <clears throat> listing that criteria, I'm glad I'm not good looking. I'll never, <laughs> I'll never be accused of being a prosperity teacher or prosperity preacher. Uh, and and Joe kind of led us into that this final, I guess, down the stretch, heading towards home section. But for those of our dear listeners who maybe and we've all been kind of encapsulated or maybe attracted to just for a few minutes are drawn to televangelists. You know, we're not trying to necessarily can, you know, close down people who have television shows or anything, but we are if they're preaching false ideas. Yeah, we, podcast you know. evangelists are much more reliable. <laughs> I, well, it's yeah. not near as lucrative, I can promise you. <laughs> you can't see us either uh, for the short term. Yeah. But what are some That helps. Things? Take our word for it, though. We're all very handsome. Yeah. Except I Alan. I didn't say that. <laughs> 
what uh, you've you've touched on a few and Joe has too. What are some identifying marks of someone who are trying to get you basically to send money and I'll make your life better? What are some identifying marks? Would you say? Well, one is they're going to have really shallow uh, theology. You know, it, they're they're dealing with a text is going to be very surface because this is not something that is is deeply rooted in scripture. You got to lift stuff out of context and twist and they, it. And they may not want to get into it. And they probably don't want to get in, into it. That's right. Uh, it's going to sound like a lot of self help stuff. Um, a lot of feel good stuff. A lot of feel good stuff. Yeah, we're we're not about uh, overcoming and enduring. Uh, we're not about preparing for the next life. We're about what feels good. Uh, right now, and, and improving this life, which is so appealing at the moment. And, you know, you and Joe, just within 30 or 40 seconds, you all, because I would read over six identifiers, and you all have already hit the first four. And I guess one that uh, Joe brought out here is point number four, the absence of dealing with tensions in Scripture. Now, you've already talked about Paul, talks about the tension and the conflict that he has dealt with, Jesus suffering, uh, and all the Job suffering, and those people wanting you to send money, they don't want to tell you the the bad news, the challenging news. They want everything just to be. They only want they only want to tell you about the wonderful conclusion, not the journey that it took to get there. Uh, so y'all have already knocked out four of those. And uh, and you, what about uh, someone who lives an exorbitant lifestyle? Now we've talked about you know there's nothing wrong with being financially successful or, or wealthy. But uh might be a red flag if someone, you know, has a, a Learjet and they're asking you to send money. Right. Yeah, I mean, a, a laborer is worthy of his hire. Uh, but, yes, you're right. If there's this kind of, you know, obscene excess there, uh, that's just uh, that's that's a, a huge red flag. Yeah. And you know, I've, I listened to one of these guys one time. I don't know how he said this with a straight face, but he, he was trying to make the point of, of why he needed a a private jet, uh, like that little jet. <laughs> and he said, uh, oh, I wish I could remember how he phrased it exactly, but it was something to the effect of, you know, I just can't can't pray, just can't talk to God uh, <laughs> surrounded by all these people in, in, in a, in a you know, regular public airplane. Um, like that's, that, that's the thing is he's got to have that time in the airplane. One time on a mission trip, me and Joe, we spent a week worshiping in a chicken house. Did you? Yeah, we did. I bet that was foul. Yeah, it uh, was. <laughs> well, Ouch. well, there was a lot of scratching, you know, yeah. going on there. Yeah. Did you get that's that, not Joe? cracked up to he's, me. He's, I'm catching up with him a, a little bit. Yeah, uh, they're not getting any better, fellas. It was <laughs> that, and that no air condition in that chicken house either, but it was a beautiful little, I mean, it was a one time, you know, used for livestock and those things. But unless you talk about Learjet and, but you know, for me, that was one of the, one of the most weeks that I was most connected to Christ because these things were gone. It was stripped down. It was, it was people and the Bible. That was it. That was, I mean, people, us and prayer. Do we even have, we had lights, I think. Two. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, two and then, make it and simple. Two, yeah, one in the front, one in the back, and one in the back, one out while the preacher was preaching. You know, but we could hear him. He said he preached the lots out. Huh? He sure. He, <laughs> well, he preached one of them out. So <laughs> now they're getting better. <laughs> <laughs> they are getting better. Uh, 
But I mean, you know, and, and Daniel and Joe, you've you've done a, a great job. Just to, we want to make sure. Uh, when I was a kid, my dad used to watch this show called Dragnet. It was the original Dragnet, and there was Sergeant Joe Friday. And he always, when he interviewed someone, he always says, ma'am or sir, here's what we want, the facts. We just want the facts. And when it comes to anything religiously related, don't send people your money because they want you to. Just don't send people money. You need to not be the focus. The focus should be focused on Christ and realize that we're going to have suffering in this world. Well, uh, dear listener, uh, what's been your experience with uh, with these sorts of things? Uh, what questions or comments or feedback do you have about the prosperity gospel or uh, any other uh, presentation of, of Scripture that may be uh, you know, a, a twisting of, of the truth. We want to encourage you to seek after what's true, not what's uh, easy or, or appealing, but value what is, is true. Because is, do I like it, and is it true, or two entirely different questions. We want to thank our uh, producer, Big Show Joe. We want to thank our uh, host, uh, Big Al Jones. <coughs> and uh, we want to thank the elders at the South Green Street Church of Christ for making this possible. And again, thank you, dear listener, for making us a part of your day. And make sure, yeah, give us a a five-star rating, please, or at least (laughs) 4.93. We'll round it up. (laughs) Go ahead and round that up to five. Uh, Do share it and tell your friends about it. Follow it so you don't miss any episodes. Uh, Until next time, keep soul training. Soul training. Time to practice what you preach. Yes, we do. We've got soul training. To learn more, you can email us at soultrainingpodcast at gmail.com or you can write to us, P.O. Box 503, Glasgow, Kentucky, 42142. That's soul training.